This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's, it's, it's time to talk that talk, and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome into the Stinking Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans. Wild Card Weekend is in the books. A lot of stuff going on in the National Football League. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm good, but look at this. Oh, by the way, by the way, by the way, by the yeah. way. Um, and we'll we'll pick again. Uh-huh. We'll do another podcast later. You were three and three in your picks. You started them off. Yeah. I went opposite on a couple. I was four and two. So much like the regular season, I am kicking your ass in the postseason in picks against the spread as well. Well, hey, while you're patting yourself on the back and taking yeah. victory laps, sure. How about them Cowboys? <laughs> <laughs> it was. Rem- I was reminded when. Um, Awful announcing reposted something from a, I think it was a September 2nd podcast that you and I did. I remember remember it distinctly. It was, it was right at the start. And you said, you said what you said, we'll, we'll talk about it, but you said it. And I was like, Whoa, wow. This, this, this will be interesting. And you get the last laugh. Yeah, I do. I get to take my victory. Like I, I've told you this many, many times before I'm a really gracious loser, but when it comes to winning, I'm a dick. And uh, I felt like I won this round again. And it, it all stemmed off of when Jerry Jones, and here's the problem in general with the Dallas Cowboys, and this is what the gist of the article was, or you know what they, they copied and pasted out of this Stink of Truth podcast, was that as long as Jerry Jones owns the Cowboys, they're never going to have postseason success because he appoints coaches. He doesn't empower coaches. He doesn't empower the people underneath him. And all I had to see was Trey Lance getting traded to the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy, the head coach, and Dak Prescott, your, you know, franchise quarterback, had no idea. Like, he showed up in the locker room and they didn't know he was coming. Like, how in the world can you operate your organization when you don't empower the people in charge? Because I'm a player, right? I'm I'm a former player. We are children. You know, you work with me every day. I'm a child. He ain't lying. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not lying. I'm an absolute child. And it's like having a substitute teacher. What are you going to do when you have a substitute teacher? You, you were there. Yeah. Right? You're going to press and see what you can get away with. You know, you're going to switch seats and pretend you're somebody else. And you're doing all that kind of stuff. That was a grade school stuff. That's how we are in a locker room. So if you know the coach doesn't truly have authority... How much respect do you actually give that guy? But how does that explain what happened in the playoffs, though? How does that explain after winning 
16 in a row at home and 12 games during the regular season and late season momentum. You take advantage of the Eagles collapse. How does yeah. that explain just a complete no show against the Packers? Well, I mean, your coach came out and said we weren't prepared to play. How the f- oh yeah no I how, how can you not it's yeah. playoff how can you not be prepared to play in a playoff game? Here's you know here is verbatim what I said: the Cowboys are going to be a dominant regular season team. They're probably going to win the East. They're going to be in the playoffs, and then they will shit in their helmets during the playoffs. And what do they do? They literally, not only they shit in their helmets, they shit in their pants, they shit in their helmets, they, everywhere. I mean, that was that was explosive diarrhea. And it was it, it was pathetic. That tip of the cap to Green Bay Packers and the way Jordan Love is playing, and he's playing great football right now, good for him. But that is a colossal collapse. That can, is as bad as it gets. Can you keep McCarthy? Okay, well, Mike, my initial thought would be no, you can't keep McCarthy. But then I then I think, well, what are you going to do? You're going to replace him with somebody else you don't empower. So what good does that do for you? If you're Jerry Jones, what good does that? You're not going to empower a guy. Jerry Jones, since, since Jimmy Johnson got the credit, and Jerry Jones couldn't stand him getting the credit for those unbelievable Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl teams <laughs> that won three championships in four years or whatever it was, like he couldn't he couldn't stand that that he got all that credit. So since he fired Jimmy, he's never empowered a coach that he's had. It's always like what other owner? Give me one other owner or GM that does biweekly radio shows in his in his local market. Who? Yeah. There is none. There is none. Who else holds press conferences in the locker room after games? Give me another owner that owns a, uh, holds the press conference in the locker room after the game. Every game. Jerry, he's the only one. And, it, like, I don't know how that manifests itself into, into playoff losses. I don't know exactly how that works. I just know that you have to have an organizational structure. Owners own, coaches coach, players play. The owner's responsibility is to sign checks and get out of the way for the football people to do football stuff. And when you mess with that, and you, you when you mess, you throw the access of the football world off course. And that is that's the Dallas Cowboys in a nutshell. Is what's going on with the Washington, you know, Washington Redskins slash football team slash Commanders since Daniel Snyder took over that program. You can't win on well, you can't win. With those circumstances. So for all this talk about Belichick, and I, I mean, it was all over the place as the game was going on and the blowout was mm. was on. You were getting all kinds of Belichick stuff um, trending on social media. But, I, yeah, to, back to your point, do you see Jerry Jones giving up the kind of control that a Bill Belichick would, would demand and right. be able to get from somebody else? That that's why who, whenever I who, hear this talk yeah. about Belichick to Dallas, yeah. I don't buy it because who's Belichick's mentor, Bill Parcells. How how that work at Bill Not Parcells? Well. I mean the story the story goes and and I don't know I can't confirm I can't confirm if this is true or not but the story that I've heard and you think back to the press conference you covered those press conferences you were in Dallas for yeah. a while when yeah. Bill Parcells was there how did he refer to Terrell Owens 
You remember? No, uh, no. The player. Oh yeah. Well, he yeah, never used yeah. his name. Yeah, yeah. That that's a that's a Parcells, Belichick, Sean Payton thing. Yeah. Right. Well, the the T O thing, the player was that my understanding, and and again, you'll have to confirm this on your own. You have to dig your, do your own. Yeah. I, I'm like, this is just the story. The, the this was the the rumor that permeated the NFL at that time was that Bill Parcells didn't want T.O. He had no desire to have T.O. on his team. Jerry Jones wanted him. Bill Parcells, absolutely, I don't want him. I don't want him. I don't, I don't want him here. So they agreed that evening that they weren't going to sign him. The next day he shows up in the locker room because Jerry couldn't help himself. Right? Jerry saw, the, like, eat, get your popcorn ready. And now, what I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the rumor that, like I said, permeated the NFL. Mm-hmm. And then from that point forward, Bill Parcells never referred to him in a press conference as T.O. He called him the player, the player, the player. Go back and watch all the press conferences. And so, and again, I, like I'm not trying to spread rumors, but that was always the that was always the thing that was out there. But you could see Jerry circumventing the authority, like Bill Parcells, like is is Bill Belichick's mentor. He's not gonna go to. I, I can't imagine him going. Yeah, I'll go to. I'll go to Dallas and and Jerry. You can do your TV shows and you can do your radio shows. Right. You can circumvent right. my like. Right. No, I'm right. not gonna do that. Yeah, Bill Belichick coaching and Jerry Jones is doing two radio shows a week or is holding a press conference right. in the lot. Yeah, Belichick would be like, get get out of here. Uh, well, Dallas um, at least can share the misery with Philadelphia. Mark. What the hell happened in Philadelphia? Super Bowl team, and you think, okay, maybe they'll have the Super Bowl hangover, having lost in the Super Bowl. Nope. They go 10-1. and Right. They lose both their coordinators. No problem. They shake that all off. They bring new people in. They're 10-1 and and cruising. They end up losing six of their final seven, bottoming out against the Bucs. What the hell happened? Yeah. That's the old, there's a turd of the punch bowl. Like, what? I don't know what went down, but something obviously is not right. And you saw on the sideline, listen, on the sideline, you know, you, you get in a tete-a-tete with a coach or with another player. It happens. We've all seen the the video of Peyton Manning and Jeff Saturday yelling at each other, right? And I mean, those things happen. I saw Dallas Goddard stand up from the bench and look like he was yelling at Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. and – um. Uh, some of that stuff, I like. I don't. I, I take that stuff with a grain of salt to a degree because it, the, in the heat of the moment, some of those things go down. But come on, man. There's got to be. There's got to be something that's deeper than coaches. And I can. I can. I can look at like, hey, last year Philadelphia led the league with over seventy sacks, right? And this year they haven't produced that. Well, I can look at the offense and say, okay, well, let's look at the offensive coordinator, right? Brian Johnson takes over from from um, Shane Steichen. Now, there's part of me that looks at it like, okay, back to your first year, Nick Sirianni, head coach. Your first year, you're 2-5. and Your play calling isn't great. You relinquish your play calling. You give it to Shane Steichen. You guys make a playoff run. Now, I have talked to Justin Herbert. I have talked to multiple coaches. I talked to Gardner Minshew about Shane Steichen, they've all said the same thing. He has a way about him of taking very complex kind of concepts and making them very easy 
if this, then that for quarterbacks. And so I think all of a sudden you you lose some of that connectivity you have as a play caller slash quarterback. The other thing was you look at Philadelphia a year ago, they were one of the top, if not the top team rushing the football. They ran the football. They ran the heck out of the football with uh, Miles Sanders and and then obviously the quarterback run stuff, then the play action and the RPO action off that run game. Um, you know, they, they were exceptional at that. And I look at, like, look at that wild card game they had. I mean, Swift gets two carries, the first two carries of the game. Then he doesn't touch the ball again until, like, 11 minutes left in the second quarter. Like, how do you guys get away from that? And it comes down to this for me. And and Brian Johnson might be great. He may be a, a great. But there's guys who call an offense, and then there's guys who call plays. And I felt like that was part of their issue. And then the complementary nature of football, all of a sudden you're not possessing the ball. You're not running the ball down people's throats. You're not, you're not building a 10-point lead. You're always close. What happens? You eliminate opportunities for your team to do what they do best, and that's rush the passer. Because all of a sudden you're not in third down and long or second down and long all the time. Now you're in third and shorts, and they've got multiple things they can do to you out of those, out of those deals. Uh, you know, I, I watched a breakdown uh, – uh, that Dan Orzlovsky did, and I, yeah. I, I love Dan's stuff. Dan's a friend. Um, but it was a third down and two where you know you're playing against Tampa. It's third and two. You know you're going to get blitz. you got press corners. You've already motioned it back out and motioned it back in the field where the linebacker went out. Levante David went in and out with the back. You know you got man-to-man press situation there, and you're getting zero, right? You're, I mean, Todd Bowles bring the heat. And every route combination you had was a deep route combination on third and two. Like on one side, you just run double slants. That is a that like double slants is a man-to-man beater. Or you motion somebody and you run, you know, you run um drag flat, right? You you run a pick play. You create right, but right on the line of scrimmage. And they're running everything vertical. Like, how does that how does that even make sense? And so there are there are a lot of issues from a coaching staff standpoint, but my thing with Nick Sariani would be, why did you not step in? Why did you not take a hey, like you made a desperation move and moving off of Sean Desai yep. and going to Matt Patricia? Why did you not relieve Johnson of his play calling duties and you take over again? Like there's a lot of things that stink in Philadelphia right now, and a lot of blame, a lot of fingers to be pointed. I guess in this case, it isn't always sunny in Philadelphia. It's a great call. It's a great call by you. Uh, no. Miami was very happy to get back to the sun, weren't they? Ooh. Like, you you tell me as a former player, because just as a fan watching, mm-hmm. I saw a team that didn't want to be out there. Yeah. I saw a team that did not want to be out in the cold, and they literally looked like a team all afternoon, all evening long that was just looking to get back Onto a warm bus. How's that happen? Yeah. In a playoff game. <laughs> um, one of the things I always say is talent's wasted on talented people. <laughs> there is a there's an aspect of this game that is is pure toughness. You know, all balls. And you know, although your balls shrivel up in that kind of cold, <laughs> it uh they do. Yeah. It is one of those things, man. You got to have dudes. You got to have dudes. And the other thing is, you can't be a team that all your 
all your stuff, all your plays, all your concepts are related on we're more talented than you. Because especially come playoff time, when you play against other good teams and you play against the elements as well, and all of a sudden that talent on that field condition, on that turf, in that cold, all of a sudden it levels the playing mm -hmm. field, then you get exposed for not being able to grind it out. Like when I watch the Miami Dolphins, the majority of everything they do is in the run game, for instance. Perimeter toss, pitch, what we call in the West Coast the transportation series, get outside, you know, crack toss and all that kind of stuff, right? And it's, it's you know, based on speed and athleticism. and then It's not just downhill. We're going to drive you off the football. It's it yeah it, so, and then you know you you look at them playing with leads and being able to you know I, I just there's a there's a a toughness element to the Miami Dolphins that just doesn't exist. And sometimes I I, I would ask you environmentally, I, I get the same thing with the Chargers. Like back when they played in San Diego, I go, the problem with the San Diego, we're playing a Super Bowl there. And it's just glorious, right? January. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful San out. San Diego? Oh. Our practices were flying around. Our practices are sharp and crisp. You get done with practice, you know, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's freaking gorgeous out. You go down to La Jolla, you know, get yourself a cocktail. <laughs> like... Like when you play, yeah. when you play in New England, or yeah. you play in Denver, or you play wherever you know where there's where it's just like Seattle, or you play yeah. even in San Francisco to a degree. Like in November, things aren't going well. The coaches are up your ass, just up your ass, and <laughs> the fans are on your ass, and everybody's calling, <laughs> "What's wrong with you guys?" And then you you know get done with practice and you watch the film you get in your car and it's freaking pissing sideways and <laughs> it's cold and it's nasty and it's gray and life is just miserable, miserable. And the only way to fix it is to get a victory right. somehow just a victory I got to work a little harder right i just right. got and you work in you played in San Diego or in Miami you like walk out and you're like hey life is good <laughs> let's go have a cocktail well we we were playing we were playing in Miami, Super Bowl in Miami. We back to back. I mean, so many Super Bowls, they all flow together. <laughs> yes. So we were playing the Super Bowl in Miami, and I will never, ever forget it. I'll never forget it. So we come back to practice. We have, you know, Tuesday night off and and um Monday night we did like player whatever. Like we we went out and had dinner together as an offensive line group and everything else. Then Tuesday, you know, we had the day off or whatever. And so we show up to work on Wednesday. And one of my teammates, I think I'll just leave his name out of this, um, but he played on the defensive side of the ball. And he wrote on the grease board, there's a big grease board in, you know, just giant grease board in, um, in the, the locker room in Miami. And he put up the 10 top reasons that the Miami Dolphins will never play in the Super Bowl. And they listed the 10 strip clubs that he'd been to. <laughs> and he goes, there's no way you could focus on football here. Like, there's no possible way. And, you know, I, I think that, I mean, that's my theory about these, these teams that play in these 
pristine, beautiful conditions. Plus, you also had, you know, Mike McDaniel. I, I think everybody likes Mike McDaniel. Sure. You former ball, ball boy for you. Yeah. And he was kind of a breath of fresh air, fresh air. But there was an element of the way he kind of carries himself that, you know, he's the... Um, He's he's kind of reinventing football. Yeah, it's you kind know, of the anti Belichick. And he's, you know, yeah, you know, he's wearing the you know short pants and he's running off the field mm-hmm. and he's he's mic'd up for hard knocks and he's like, you know, I I think we're gonna get a touchdown here. And there's this real mm-hmm. like he's kind of reinventing football, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it it wasn't just him. People were really latching on to the idea that wow, Mike McDaniel is really a breath of fresh air and he's yeah. he's bringing a whole new look to it. And so there was kind of an element for me of like, you know, it was kind of good to see him get his comeuppance, if you will, to mm. just kind of remind everybody that the ways that people have always won football still work today in mm. the playoffs in bad weather. And he, he and the Dolphins kind of got exposed for that kind yeah. of stuff. And there was part of me that was kind of like, it's good to know that the old ways still work. I just think, I mean, you look at Wild Card Weekend. Yeah. You look at every team that won. What do they have? Quarterback who absolutely picked people apart from the pocket. Stayed on schedule. Mm-hmm. Teams that ran the ball. Like you look at Houston. C.J. Stroud had 21 attempts. That's it, 21 attempts. Ran the ball more than they threw the ball. Look at Green Bay. Jordan Love had 21 attempts. Ran the ball more than they threw the ball. Like, it's it's as much as we try to morph it into college football, it's not college football. It's professional football. And it's played on a different field with different hash marks. And it just changes the way the game is played. The other thing you have is every team from a roster standpoint is, is created equal because you don't have five teams to get all the good players. So you just can't out-athlete people in the National Football League. And so it just is a it's a different animal. And I know that all the, you know, analytics geeks and all the college football freaks try to make the NFL college. It's not college football. Yeah. It's different. And you know, in 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 having a guy that can operate from the pocket, having a guy that understands that the, the feet of the quarterback generate offense, right? The timing of the offense has held the quarterback's feet. And the timing of the passing game and the rhythm of the passing game is is held the quarterback's feet. Like, I always say this about, about a team that's a, a finesse football team. You know what you can't do? Finesse yourself back into a rhythm offensively. My experience in the NFL says you cannot, hey, when you're rolling and your passing game is great, awesome. You can stay in rhythm. But you know what happens when you get out of rhythm in the passing game? You can't finesse yourself back into it. You know what you got to do? You got to line up with fat people. You got to get two tight ends. You got to get a full back. You got to get a running back. You got to beat people up, bludgeon people up, force them. I, Mike, I, I remember Mike Shanahan all the time being offended when we're playing teams, offended that someone would try to play us in too high safety. Are you fucking kidding me? Too high safeties? We're going to run that. We're bludgeoning them out of that. We'll get one on. We'll get a single high safety up there. We'll get one on one on the outside, and then we'll cut them up in the passing game. 
but how dare you try to play me in too high safeties? Like today's NFL, it's the Vic Fangio effect, right? We play shell, right? And we're gonna. I mean, are you kidding me? We'll beat your ass. But too many teams aren't constructed that way. There's too many guys that think they're smarter than everybody yeah. else, right? It was like in the case of McDaniel, like we see the the uh, influx of, of analytics, right? Mm-hmm. And people look at analytics in all the other sports. It was almost kind of like McDaniel, and I, I know this is probably being un- unfair. Mike McDaniel's a good football guy. But it was almost like the, yeah. the analytic guy all of a sudden got to coach a football team. Mm-hmm. He got to yeah. come down from the front office where he hangs out with all the other yeah. analytic nerds, yeah. and all of a sudden he was given a whistle and a play sheet, and allowed to go coach a football team. Yeah. And that, so there was part of me that's like, I don't know if I want to see the analytic nerd yeah. succeed. Uh, he's a bro- like he's a he's a brilliant football over, guy. Yeah, you know, I'm generalizing and I'm using mm-hmm. McDaniel kind of as a stereotype, but yeah, no, he's uh, he's he's definitely a brilliant football guy. But it just was, you know, it just is one of those situations where where. That stuff, a lot of that just kind of, we're going to trick you or we're going to out-coach you or out-scheme you, out-X's and O's you, it is great during the regular season. It's great in September and October when it's nice out. But and this is what I love about the NFL. the end of the day, it's who captures and wins the line of scrimmage. And... That's really what it boils down to more than anything else. So the 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 old school, new school. There's nobody more old school than Mike Tomlin. There's nobody more old well, wait school. Wait a minute, one second, really quick. Yeah, just to interrupt you. Speaking of that Miami Kansas City game. Yeah. Are you going to get to Kansas City? Do you want to talk about Kansas City? Yeah. Let's I mean, do. Let's since they, they do play this. Week. They, okay. Yeah. Since so let me just let me just say this. Like quick thought on Kansas City. Quick thought. One is. How in the hell do you not stop a game when your quarterback's got a gaping chasm in his helmet and the helmet's broken and clearly cracked if you're all about player safety? Like, if a guy gets dinged, we send him off the field to the independent neurologist to check him out, right? To make sure that he's good to go before he's allowed to check back in the game. How in the world, what what did Patrick Mahomes with that broken helmet play another three plays before they, with the helmet broken? How's the official saying, no, dude, sorry, you got to go get a new helmet? Like, how does that How does that even happen? Meanwhile, they're stopping the game. You know, he's checking out one helmet, checking on another one. Right. You're, you're not supposed to be allowed to do that. Yeah. I, you got to come off the field, put the backup quarterback in, the game goes on. But I broke a helmet in Green Bay, freezing cold-ass game. Just, I mean, freezing-ass cold. And now it wasn't the helmet, it wasn't the plastic part. It was a face mask that snapped. So it was just dingling around, right? So I take it off between plays. I chuck it to the sideline, and another guy chucks me his helmet. It was Ralph Tam. Grabbed your, it was like a bobblehead helmet, right? <laughs> it was way too big. First, and the other thing about him playing in that kind of cold, right? He's standing on the sideline with that thing. So it's like putting on an ice tray out of your freezer, like clunk. I mean, it was miserable. <clears throat> Played the rest of the, the series, however many plays. That was three or four plays before, you know, we ended up punting. We were getting our ass kicked. Um, and, and why they were fixing my helmet on the sideline, but like, how in the world can, can you be allowed to play with a broken helmet? Cause you're Patrick Mahomes, like, Mark. Like, apparently the but, rules don't apply to you, dude. I, I, I hate the fact that I'm about to say this. I really do. 
Kansas City's a problem. I think Kansas City. Did they flip the switch? Yeah. They did? I think. They just slept walk through the season, and now they're back. Patrick Mahomes has the best defense he's ever played with since he's been there. The best. All of a sudden, Isaiah Pacheco, that dude is like an – he's like a banny rooster, man. He's just like, you know, he's doing this, walking through the – going through the line of scrimmage. That dude's got a little – that guy's got a little – Cock of the walk. Yeah, cock of the walk. (laughs) He got a little stinger going on. He's running hard. And then all of a sudden, Rasheed Rice, Mm -hmm. 130 yards receiving last week, eight or nine, eight catches, something like that. Travis Kelsey had 71 yards receiving, Ten, I think ten, seven catches maybe. Seven catches, 71 yards, and dropped like three balls. Do they they feel like they flipped the switch? And but, they've got... But, but hold on, let me interrupt because I know what you're saying, but do you realize this this week's game at Buffalo is the first, first time Patrick Mahomes has ever played a true Road game. Right. Not Super Bowls. Super Bowls are neutral sites. Right. Yeah, he's been at home every time. time. Yeah. So one he lost one AFC championship to to New England on the remember on the uh the offsides penalty? (laughs) Yep. Brady gets intercepted and uh I can't remember who was lined Uh, up offsides. uh, Poe. Was it Poe? No. Chris Jones? No, he wasn't there. Chris Jones wasn't there at the time. It wasn't Tom Ali. It was the uh, it was D Ford. D Ford. That's D right. D Ford. Good call. Yep. D Ford yep. was offside. Yep. yep. And then he lost in an AFC Championship to uh, Joe Burrow. But he's played every game at home. Yeah. I mean, it's it is it's remarkable. But you, yeah, you think that? See, I think, I think Buffalo's been. This is oh, their man. moment. This Buff- is Buffalo's moment. They like get, they're at home. They're in front of the mafia. They they got momentum. They had a bunch they, of injuries on the defensive they side. Did, but the- they got Mahomes now coming to their place. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, we'll talk about that later. Right. Later on in the week. You could pick against me again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I pick first this time. Okay, fine. Spe- all right, we'll get into the, the Bills. Uh, but one thing that came out of the Bills game that I'm curious. Josh Allen did the fake slide he- and kept running. He did. He kind of, uh, and then he popped back. He it didn't is, go all the way down, no, but he kind of stopped. There, you saw the defensive players. They were anticipating. Mm-hmm. So, is this is this something league has to do? We've seen Mahomes do this a lot of times. Mahomes will run along towards the sideline. Everybody backs off because they know they can't touch him, and, and then he'll end up, you know, scooting another three or like, four yards. Yeah, yeah. So, my thought process on that, and this is part of just the era I grew up in. Uh-oh, you're going to offend some people, aren't you? Well, I don't think I'll – well, I, no, I don't some. think I'll, Well, some, yeah, just the snowflakes. But okay. this is where if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm saying, hey, guys, we can afford two personal fouls in this game. And I want you to decapitate the quarterback. If he's going to pull that bullshit, we're going to hit him. And, you know, later on in that game, Miles Jack get called for a personal foul when he did slide, but it was late, and Miles Jack was already kind of in the air, and he even tried to pull his hands up. But he hit Josh Allen. Josh Allen throws his arms up and protests. Like, oh! Like, dude, you're six foot five, 250. Stop it. So my thought process, and you think about all the good defenses back in the days. 
You go back to the 85 Bears, the 2000 Ravens, the 2001 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the 2013 Seattle Seahawks, and the 2015 Broncos. There were probably two personal fouls a game that they felt like they were like, okay, we're going to cap this thing at, you know, one and a half or two. Anything over that, you're going to cost us opportunities. But there's an intimidation factor there, and there's a send a message factor there. And if I'm Kansas City, I'm saying if Josh Allen takes off and runs, and let, like if it's anywhere close, absolutely lambaste his ass. We'll take the 15 yarder. And conversely, with Mahomes along the sideline, absolutely, same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I think that's one of those situations where quarterbacks are taking advantage of the protection, and that's garbage. So make them play football. This is why quarterbacks should not be allowed to win the MVP. They don't play football. They play quarterback, and I don't like it. Gee, I can't tell. <laughs> so, Jeez. a little frontier justice is due. Well, you should. You want, if you want to play that little game, yeah. you're going to play that little game, well, we get to play too. And, uh, I mean, think about it, how hard it is as a defensive player to <coughs> to be in the right situation. It's like, and, and, to, and to, you know, to, to try to parse everything. Am I right. too high? Am I too low? Am I, you know, it, it's just not. It's not a good thing. And I even watched the game that Chris Collinsworth called where I can't remember who got hit in the knee on a Higby. Higby. Yeah. And he tore his ACL, right? Yep. It's like you ask any player, man, they, they would much rather DBs go chest high than at the knees. Yep. And so, you know, I mean, I know we got all, you know, freaked out about head trauma, which I, I, I think there's a lot of. Uh, I'm going to be careful. Um, it's important, but I think there's a lot of a lot of things that haven't been actually looked at. That it. Well, I'm, I'm not going to topic be for another day. Yeah. Well, I mean, let me just say this. Let me just say this. They uh, like science looks at it like, you know, CTE. You play football, CTE, freak out, kill your family, blah blah. They don't look at like. What role does depression play in this? Like, you leave and you no longer can play, and that's all you've done your whole life. Like, is there a moment of, I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life? Is there a moment of, you know, of that? How do drugs and alcohol affect uh, brain health and all that kind of, like, all these different, like, how, to, how does being addicted to opiates, where, where painkillers were a big thing in my day? In my day, they walk down the plane and hand you painkillers. My first got in the league, yeah, like M and M's. Yeah, how many do you need? Yeah, two, three. Wash it down with a beer. There you go. I mean, that's just the way it was. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to condemn anybody or, or, but like all that stuff needs to be looked at, not just oh, you got hit in the head. Now you, you know, now you've got CT. I just, I don't. I think like a, a lot of things, it can be circumvented. Like, I, I just don't think all that research is honest research. I really don't. We were talking about the Steelers. Um, man, Mike Tomlin, three playoff wins in his last 10 years. Yeah. So, yeah, he's got the streak. He hasn't finished below 500, anything like right. that. But 
we're seeing a lot of like slightly above average football from Pittsburgh, but nothing great. Right. And yeah. so I guess the the question is 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 this a a franchise that needs a reboot? Starting yeah. at the top, Mike Tomlin is their third coach since 1969. There's there's beauty and stability, and listen, his last like Ben but when does stability becomes stale. Yeah. Okay. Well, Ben Roethlisberger in his last three or four years was not the Ben Roethlisberger that, you know, I mean, he, he was a bit beat up too. Um, you know, there were some other factors in there, the Antonio Brown thing and all that kind of stuff. Like, but, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, is Kenny Pickett the answer? Is Duck Hodges the answer? Or is like, like, who else has played quarterback? Mason Rudolph, the answer. Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. Like, like, we all know how important that quarterback role is. And the fact that that guy is still winning a ton of games. I mean, a lot of his press conference, they asked him about his contract. we got one year left on your deal. You just, I'm out. Like, that dude is one of the great, just one of the great guys and leaders in this league. Like, I, I just, like, he's incredible to talk to. Like you, I'm sure there are things that that you know. Probably from the inside, if I was inside, I would look at it and say, "Well, that that needs to be better. That needs to be better." But just from sitting down, meeting with Mike Tomlin, watching him operate practice, watching him operate the team, listening to him talk to a production meeting, like that dude's got leadership just dripping. He drips with leadership, so. You know, you got to have, you got to have a trigger man, mm-hmm. and they just really haven't. Well, speaking of quarterbacks, um, Cleveland, amazing story that they got as far as they did with the number of quarterbacks yep. that they went through. Joe Flacco literally came off doing something like this <laughs> off the couch right. to playing really good football until the clock struck midnight in Houston. How confident would you be, or are you, if you're the Browns? Handing the keys back to Deshaun Watson. Well, I don't think you can be confident at all because Deshaun Watson hasn't been Deshaun Watson. I mean, um, <coughs> he he hasn't been good. And, you know, you invested all that money, all that guaranteed money, so you got to make it work. But, like, when was the last time Deshaun Watson was really good? And... Will he ever be? Will he ever regain that form? Will this? Forget about the injury stuff. Will this cloud hang over his head? Like, can he ever? Can he ever overcome it? And I don't. I don't know what the answer to that is, Mike. And you know, obviously, you watch Joe Flacco orchestrate that offense, and Joe Flacco was spinning it early in that game. I mean, he was. I thought he was playing great, and then all of a sudden, you know, back-to-back pick sixes and the rest is history. But, um, you know, you're on the wrong side of a blowout. But Joe Flacco looked better down the stretch running this offense than than Watson has looked since he got there. So I, I just – I guess my answer to you is I have no idea, but if I look at the body of work – since, you know, he missed all that time and since 2020, he, 2020 was the last year he had yeah. a, a good year. Yeah. Since he missed all the time and since he, you know, since the whole massage gate or whatever you want to call it, um, he hasn't 
been one of the score to piss. But you got no choice. Yeah, because you you because you did what you did. Right. The owner did what he did. Jimmy. You know never, I don't like never. You always say. Once you hit a certain age, you need to become James. Jimmy is fine when you're a kid, but at some point you gotta be James. Jimmy Garoppolo? Would that be your advice to Jimmy Garoppolo? James Garoppolo. Or Jim? Jim Garoppolo. Maybe there are uh, caveats to every <laughs> caveats to every rule. He's just so damn handsome. He is. He is. He is. I just saw a whole layout of him with uh, Travis Matthews. Like he's like one of their lead supermodels or something. Very handsome. <laughs> Very handsome. Dude, I was I was calling. A, Wake up! <laughs> I was calling a Niners. He's, he's in a fog. I was he's... calling a Niners game. And so I'm at practice on Friday. He comes right off the practice field, literally walks into the meeting, takes his helmet off, and his hair is freaking perfect. I'm like, how in the <laughs> do you have perfect hair? Like you just took your helmet off. You yeah. were out there for an hour and a half yeah. spinning it. Yeah. You took your helmet off and it's perfect. Boom. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Guy's beautiful. Oh, man, I love that guy. Uh, Lady, you're, you're, I know there are ladies oh, out there. If only my husband could look at me the, the same way that at, Mark looks at Jimmy Garoppolo. I look at Tom Brady that way. Or Tom Brady, yeah. Yep, yep. All right, this thing has probably gone off the rails. We probably mm. should uh, wrap it up and uh, okay. tell people we'll be back again at the end of the week to look ahead to uh, divisional. <laughs> That's right. Weekend. We will be back at the end of the week. We'll look ahead to the divisional round of the plows, the best weekend. Best weekend. In, the best in weekend sports. In, in sports. No question about it. Yep. Some great matchups. We'll break every one of them down for you guys. We'll make our picks against the spread where I'm currently 4-2. and two. He's 3-3. Three and three. So, uh just like the regular season, the can of whoop-ass has been opened already. But uh, I'll give you a chance. I'm just setting you up for like a Patriots-Falcons type comeback. Oh, really? Yeah. By the way, how do you think that uh, Bill Belichick-Arthur Blank interview went the <laughs> other day? Yeah, well, what are you planning on doing when we get, uh, you know, if we, if we do in fact hire you? What are you planning on doing at the quarterback position and uh, with this offense? 28-3. Boom. Book it. Have you ever had a moment in your life that you dealt with real adversity? And, yeah. And how did you handle it? 28-3. 28-3. Eight, eight, it's all he said the yeah. whole time. Hold on. Yeah. It was like we're on to Cincinnati except yeah. just 28-3. Yeah. And how would you handle practice on a weekly basis? 28-3. <laughs> do you think you really – do you really interview Bill Belichick or does he interview you? Yeah, he probably interviews right. you. Right. Yeah, I would imagine. What would you like to know, Bill? Yeah. What would you like to know about my organization and my checkbook? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I would love to see Bill in L.A. with the Chargers. Oh, so much fun. Ever since that, uh, what do you call those little ring cameras with him shirtless walking through New England? (laughs) Like him in L.A. Surfing. Whistle around (laughs) his neck, no shirt on. Blowing it up. Like right back to the 70s. Let's go, Herbert. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> All right, for everybody involved in the Secrets Podcast, we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Download it, share it, do whatever you do. Send us a comment. We'll try to get back to you guys on some of those comments as well. For Mike, I am Mark. We'll talk to you at the end of the week.